Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here week four in the next right thing. We've been looking at some of the most um, difficult, complicated crossroads that we are going to face as human beings. And what is the spiritual implication of those things? And what did Jesus say as the next right thing when we, we all, I mean, there's, we're not gonna, it's not like you can opt out of these things that we've been talking about. You will face them. You are facing them right now. And today is no different. This was gonna be, um, this was gonna be a little bit uh, challenging maybe to hear and to communicate, but I hope that you will just be open to absorb and listen to what Jesus has to say because I believe it could bring great wisdom and help to your life, okay? So here's how I want to begin today with a personal question. Who is your teacher? In other words, who do you look to for life? Who do you look to for the tone for, the priority list of, mapping forward how to live as a human being? In other words, whose disciple are you? Maybe that's how Jesus would have said it. Honestly, not the church answer, but how you find yourself spending your time, your money, the discretionary parts of your life. How do you do that? Because the first thing, uh, first of all, what's true of us, true of all of us, is that we all have to learn from someone. There is no exception to this rule. As a matter of fact, if we've learned anything from the history of humanity is that that human beings, you and I, are just the kind of creatures that have to learn. Whether we like it or not, whether we look at that and agree with that or not, it's just true. It's just we're that kind of creature. We're just that kind of being that we have to learn. In other words, we all were taught, you know, how to brush our teeth. Somebody taught us how to tie our shoe, how to ride a bike, how to play an instrument how to write your name. Somebody taught, you how to, somebody taught me how to do that. How to use language, how to communicate, how to be and how to live as a person. We, we all had to have somebody that taught us how to do that. Therefore, throughout our lives, we are always, whether we're aware of it or not, we're always searching for teachers to help us. We're always looking for people who have maybe the next life hack that have like, okay, how to parent, how to uh, get more out of your investments, how to do uh, business better, how to, you know, you're always, we're always looking for people, best practices, how do we get better at this life? We're always looking for teachers to help us in this regard. And we first learn from our parents or whoever it was that raised you, you learned from them. And then maybe your teachers at school, other people that took care of you, they spoke into your life. Maybe it was classmates and friends that had an influence in your life. Maybe it was a boss or maybe, you know, co-workers that speak into our life. Today, sometimes we call these people that have great influence, we call them influencers, people who put out lots of content on social media, on YouTube, and they have an enormous amount of influence over the culture, over people, over their thinking, how they live. These are, in other words, teachers. They are people. They have disciples. They may not say it like that, but that's how it works. We don't think of ourselves as needing teachers, 
So we don't really ever stop to ask really important questions like this, because we're asking it without asking it sometimes. Who is worthy of being my teacher? Who has actually mastered life? Like, who should I be putting the weight of my confidence, my trust in, for learning about life? Or my kids, who should I be recommending to my sons and daughters for who ought to be good teachers for life? In other words, when you hit this crossroads, knowing this is just the way we are, what is the next right thing? What would it be that Jesus would say, okay, when you get to this point, what should you do next? In other words, how do we distinguish between good teachers and bad teachers? Good authorities and bad authorities. Well, that is our text today. That is where Jesus is going to give us some instructions in this Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start with verse 15. Here's where Jesus addresses this issue that is still pressing with us all the time. Here's what he says. He says, beware, beware of, let's say the highlighted words together, beware of false prophets, right, who come disguised. They're under a mask. They're, they're disguised as what? As harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. He's saying, okay, you're all looking for what he calls false prophets. Prophets were just simply people who spoke on behalf of God. They spoke with great authority because people believed this guy, uh, this girl, that they are speaking uh, as a mouthpiece for God. So they had an enormous amount of, of, uh, of authority behind their words. Now, we might not say in our culture today, especially outside of the church or outside of Christian, we probably wouldn't say prophet, but when they speak, people listen and follow it as if it is thus saith the Lord. So in a sense, they are a modern day prophet. They, are, they have a great deal of influence. So if you would, let, let me have a little bit of a broader span or a little broader pattern that we can apply this false prophets to today. Um, and thinking about how, what Jesus is saying, there are those who are gonna come and they're in disguise. They look harmless and they look like sheep. They look like sheeple. They look just like you and me, right? Jesus often talked about him as the great shepherd. We are his sheep. This is one of his favorite metaphors he used to describe us, which isn't super flattering of us because sheep are not super brilliant, but, um, you know, uh, but anyway, Jesus is trying to help us to see there are sometimes there are people who are dressed, their outward appearance seems harmless. It even seems attractive, they have a beautiful sheep smile, you know. They have the latest sheep fashion, you know. And but he's saying, be careful, because deep down they are, they are ferocious. Wow, that was my closest. I know I nailed it, right? Um, <laughs> ferocious wolves. He's saying they're ferocious wolves. What does he mean by that? He means like a wolf, they are driven by their desires to consume the sheep. And what Jesus means by they come to consume you and I, the sheep, is that they want to use you and I for their purposes. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they may seem so attractive, so successful, so effective, so whatever, that it draws us in, but they're really only insofar, they're only invested in you insofar that you can serve their purposes. He's like, look out for these kinds of people because they're wolves, 
all right? This happened to me, there's a story I wanted to share with you early on in the early years of Brazos Fellowship. Before we built this auditorium, the lobby, before we had the annex, way back when we were in the original building, and uh, there was a time where we were running five services back-to-back here. Lots of work. Sunday, Sunday was a marathon. Uh, it it kind of is anyway, but when you add five together, it's a lot. And so I remember there's this fellow that had moved in from out of town. He's a contractor, and he was a huge fan. Brazos Fellowship. Oh my goodness, he would tell me. Look what God's doing. This is incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. Well, as a pastor, like, I like to hear that kind of stuff. That's kind of awesome, you know? Like, wow, you've never, you've never seen like, anything everywhere, anywhere? Like, that's, so he said, hey, listen, I know you guys are going to need a new building, like, soon, obviously. Like, you need to do that, like, yesterday. Um, and I'm a contractor, and I will do it for half of what everybody else is quoting you. I will do it for half. I will take a loss on this thing. I just want to help you. I just, man, just out of the goodness of my heart. But you know, when there's just something off about a person, you're like, I'm not sure I can trust this dude, you know? And it wasn't just me. I had some other trusted counsel that felt the same way. And I said, let's just hold off, bump the brakes with this guy, pray about it. Well, in a short time later, maybe just a couple of weeks, I wish I could remember the exact timeline, I get a call from a young woman who's a college student in this town and she says you don't know me I don't go to your church but I've got this contractor his team of guys here that are doing some work at my apartment complex I overhear them talking about your church and how they they want to land this huge contract with you and they're planning on taking the money and running they are laughing about how they're about to take advantage of your church and i said oh my gosh thank you for calling me this is a very helpful phone call and also i was like and also just know that this doesn't happen in church all the time uh (laughs) never happened before you know but i just hang up and i say thank you lord for showing me this wolf with sheep's clothing like and i told him look we're not going to be building with you and uh, I didn't want to get her in trouble and everything. I didn't tell him the whole, I just said, we're not going to, and he took off, disappeared. That, that showed me. There was only one motive. There's only one purpose why he was here. And uh, people are going to be like that in your life too. So how do we identify wolves in sheep's clothing, in disguise around us, for us, for our kids? Verse 16, Jesus gives us a hint here. He gives us some wisdom. He says, you can identify them by their, let's say it together, one, two, three, fruit. By their fruit. What does Jesus mean by fruit? That is, by the way they act. There is a behavior, there is a character that will be reflected in the way they cannot hide it. It's going to come out, and you need to pay attention by their fruit, that is, uh, that is, by the way they act, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? Jesus is asking a kind of, uh, you know, um, a rhetorical question here. Or figs from thistles. Like, is that the way the plant kingdom works? Yes or no? No, right? Jesus is asking a very easy go-to question, right? Everybody knows that. You don't even have to be a farmer. You know that, right? Like, everybody knows that. He's saying there is a correlation between the way the plants work and the way people work. But the only way you're going to know about fruit, about their actions, about their behavior, about their character, is through time and proximity. Time 
and proximity. You need some time to get to know them. You need to get to know, you need to get close. You need to at least know somebody that knows them. And here's the thing about the vast majority of influencers in our culture, in our world today, that are mostly online, they're mostly social media driven, both of those things have been taken away from us. There is no time you get this short little curated clip of their life looking the best that they've ever looked. They're giving you the best little nugget that you've ever heard. Unbelievable. And you don't get to know them. You don't even know anybody that knows them. But yet they're influencing us. They're influencing our kids to a large degree. Do you see, Jesus calls his disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, he's calling us to be fruit inspectors, okay? To pay attention to the fruit in each other's life. This is not permission or license to go on a witch hunt and try to hunt down every little imperfection in other people. That is not what he's getting at. And so we're gonna look at in a little bit, but it is a, um, a willingness, a desire to want to be connected to God and to pr- produce the kind of fruit that is in keeping with someone who is belongs to God's family the the fruit of the spirit as Galatians chapter 5 tells us to be able to have them and and begin to produce you're not going to be perfect but at least like that's the direction that is the the chosen authority under which you're choosing to live he's saying I want you to pay attention to those kinds of people and of those claiming to speak with authority in your culture and in the world that speak literally on the behalf of God, thus saith the Lord. They're, they're prophets, in other words. They're influencers. I want you to pay attention to the fact, are they false? Are they false teachers? Are they false prophets? Do they produce bad fruit? And the only way to know that is to get to know them and to really dig in and don't just accept it on face value. In verse 17, Jesus goes on to say, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. In other words, what Jesus is showing us here is that fruits reveal roots. Fruits reveal roots, right? The fruit will tell you what kind of tree it is. He's saying this also applies to people. I've heard the quote before, and maybe you have too, when people show you who they really are, believe them. Sometimes we don't want to believe it. I can't believe the way he or she acted. Now, again, not witch hunts. I'm not saying people are going to make mistakes, but are they quick to say, look, and they, they course correct. Please forgive me. That was not representative of the life that I want to live. And you see them staying consistent. Or is it false? Oh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But really what they're doing is trying to cover up their reputation but they really haven't changed at all. It's really more about just the scribes of the Pharisees, the the religion or the righteousness, as Jesus would say, the scribes and the Pharisees. I just want to look good out here. I want to look religious. I want to look moral. I want to look like I have character, but I really don't have any. He's saying, be careful. Is it real? Is it real fruit? Is it consistent? Because fruits, fruits reveal roots. So are we looking, the question I want to ask before we go any further, are we looking at the right fruit? I read an article this week about a, a pastor that was nearing retirement. This is, this is a kind of older article, but a pastor that was nearing retirement, he uh, had an incredibly successful ministry, huge ministry, 
where thousands flocked to his ministry. And many prominent pastors had sought out his counsel, his wisdom on many things. He had had award after award for effectiveness in ministry. But in a moment of honesty and complete candor, he shares inwardly, I am an ugly mess right now. He says, my my marriage is near collapse. My kids resent me and do not respect me. And my relationship with God is almost non-existent. No real communion with God. I feel filled with anger, bitterness, and anxiety. Just brutally honest. Are we looking at the right fruit according to Jesus in the world that we live in today? Sometimes we miss it. In verse 19, Jesus says this. He says, so, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Woo! Jesus is saying, the kind of tree that don't produce good fruit, godly character, is revealing there is an unhealthy root. That tree is unhealthy. And now I'm not saying that people can't change. They can't be transformed and go from an unhealthy tree to a healthy tree or a bad tree to a good tree. Absolutely they can. But he's talking about people that are not willing to change. He's saying those kind of trees are only good for chopping down and made into firewood. This is a powerful and shocking metaphor. Jesus talking about judgment here from his father. He's saying, listen, you need to pay close attention to the people that you're following. You need to pay close attention to what's actually going on inside their heart. Again, he's rejecting that outward sham, that outward disguise that looks like righteousness, it looks like success, it looks like, oh my goodness, yeah, we should follow this person, but deep down, there isn't godly character. And it happens a lot where people follow the wrong people. He's saying that we need to pause, slow down, make sure. Time and proximity is so important. And in verse 20, he says this. He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its, let's say it together, its fruit, right? So you can identify people by their actions. Like I'm, I'm helping you out here. Jesus' point is that we often look at the wrong fruit we don't look at the fruit of godly character we ask is he effective what what has she done oh she's done that wow oh well if they're effective if they've knocked it out of the park they've, they've achieved so much well clearly they're godly we should like totally follow them like that that's that just makes sense right and jesus is showing us not just in the first century but the 21st century you and i live in we have a system we have a world a culture that where, where it is possible that um, people, instead of looking at Christ-like character, they miss it. And things like all the stuff that Jesus has been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, things like anger, when they, when they don't get what they want, how do they act? When they don't get exactly how they want it, the way they want it, what comes out of their mouth, how do they behave? right? How do they treat those beneath them, so to speak, service men and women that, that are in the service industry? Go to have dinner with them. How do they treat the waiter? How do they speak to those people who are, quote-unquote, beneath them? 
this will show you a great deal about the character. They treat him with dignity and respect as people who are image bearers of the almighty God or people that are just there to serve their purposes. I'm talking about not just outside the church, but in the church. This is so important that we are paying attention to this. Things like lust that Jesus talked about. Things like generosity. Are they generous people? Are they generous not just financially, but just as a general rule, as a person? Are they giving, kind, generous? Are they constantly sizing you up, measuring you, and what can I get from you? Is there hypocrisy or is there you know, integrity in their life? Worry, stress, and anxiety that Jesus spends so much time talking about back in chapter 6. Does this mark their life? You see, it's possible to be a celebrated leader in our world today. Celebrate, have a huge ministry, and be a bad tree with bad fruit. Have no character and no intimacy with God at all. And have a best-selling book and speak at all the conferences. And as a pastor, I have been blown away at stuff I see that happens backstage at some of these events. I'm just telling you because Jesus talks about it. It's so important that we think about this. Who are our teachers? It also means that somebody who is a healthy tree, a good, that has good fruit, godly fruit, can sometimes be completely overlooked. They're unimpressive. They, they, they don't achieve the kind of success that this world applauds and venerates, hands awards for but yet they are the real deal and their fruits reveal actual roots and roots reveal character, what is actually happening in the heart, which is where Jesus takes every one of these issues that he talks about, what's happening in men and women's hearts. And, and really what's implied here is for us to evaluate our own heart, to pay attention to character, to pay attention to those um, that you allow to speak into, to have influence over, authority over your life and your children's life. Then Jesus shocks everybody. He's about to make it real personal. He says in verse 21 this, so he moves from those who are influencing the, you and I to when every single person comes before the judgment throne, who, by the way, Jesus is not mincing words. He's saying, and make no mistake about it, the one who's sitting on the throne will be me, Jesus says. Check this out. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, what will happen? Will enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, they're, wait, Jesus, they're calling you Lord. I mean, they're, they're saying the right things. Like, on the outside, it seems like they got it together. Only those who actually, let's say it together, actually do the will of my Father in, the heaven, in heaven will enter. Okay, so let me quickly say, salvation comes by grace through faith alone. We talked about this last week. This is how we become children of God. This is how we enter into the family of God, into the kingdom that he came to make available. But though it is um, through faith, by, uh, pardon me, uh, by grace, through faith, alone, it is not meant to stay alone in the sense that he wants us to now follow him. 
being called a disciple or a follower of Jesus is implied. You're going someplace. We, we often talk about it. It's a walk, right? We're moving forward. There is an applying of his word. There's some obedience. There's praying. There's talking. There's interaction. We're moving. We're going someplace. The next right thing implies you're going somewhere, right? Jesus wants us to be on a journey with him. Not, oh, I prayed that prayer one time, remain completely stagnant spiritually. That's not the relationship. That is not the relationship Jesus describes or invites us into. He's inviting us into a ongoing, trusting relationship. So embedded in this verse is a challenge, a personal challenge to each one of us. Jesus is warning us to do some self-evaluation, examination. Is this me? Is this you? Have we, have, we, have we fooled ourselves? Have we deceived ourselves into it? Is it delusional kind of in our mind? Like, oh yeah, I pray. Like last week I talked about simply praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and now allowing him to be the Lord and leader, the authority over your life and you're following him now. This is a journey. We're not working for earning our salvation at all but once we become children of God, we enter into that relationship, the relationship implies we're gonna grow. Think about if you had somebody, you met somebody who married somebody, and they're like, I can't remember the last time I even saw my wife. <laughs> Is that person really married? Like, they, they don't interact with them at all? They don't really see them? They don't really, like, we would call that into question, right? Jesus would say, that's not the relationship I'm inviting you into. Right? It isn't. Well, we, we we're doing this together. Because Jesus is saying, on that day of judgment, there will be those who will be under the delusion. They will plead their case before Jesus and say, Jesus, look at all the stuff that we did, look at all the stuff that we said, look at all the ministry, look at all the accomplishments, all the awards, all the best-selling book, New York Times better. Like, look at all this stuff. And Jesus is gonna say something very frightening let's take a look together what he's going to say all right he says on judgment day let's say it together ready one two three many not a few not almost none many he says many will say to me lord lord we prophesied in your name we spoke with great authority what you say like we we were prophets in the culture in the world we, we man we influenced all kinds of people we cast out demons in your name we exercise great spiritual power over darkness look what we did we even did miracles we performed many miracles like miraculous things happened in our in our ministry look at all this crazy stuff that happened in your name but i will reply i never knew you there is a knowing, an intimacy, a closeness, a roots must go down in me kind of a life that he's talking about here. I never you, get away from me, you who break God's laws. We did, but, but Jesus, we did all kinds of ministry. Look what we did. Look at that, it's amazing. People applauded us everywhere we went. You who break God's laws also can be translated evildoers, lawlessness, 
in different English translations. But all of them, essentially what they're getting at is here, people who didn't submit to his authority. They lived by someone else's. They were actually following a completely different teacher. They were following their own authority, whatever they could come up with between their ears. They, they were coming up with culturally accepted authority. That was what they were following. I know this is shocking. I know for some of you are like, whoa, wait, whoa. This changes everything. That's what Jesus did all the time. He shook things up, and he wants us to think deeper than just check, went to church today. <laughs> but what is happening in our heart? Simply declaring Jesus as Lord doesn't make it true any more than, ladies, maybe you can back me up on this, just hearing, baby, I love you, makes that true. Sometimes people will say, baby, I love you, because there's something they want from you, and it's the only way to get it. Jesus is saying, talk is cheap. I want you to really mean it. I want this to be a real relationship, not a religious sham, not, not a disguise. And my fear is that in, not in just North America, but the, our whole world, that maybe we have gotten so short-sighted and blinded and delusional as followers of Jesus that we stopped looking at the right things. We stopped growing. And we said, that's good enough. That's like, we're, we stopped letting God challenge us to the core of our being to say, you know what, I think, he, I think he created me for more than this. I think I'm settling and I think I need to trust him more with this relationship and with my finances, my kids, my future, my career. I, I, I think, I think, and Jesus would say, you're onto something here, right? You're onto something. So important. And here's why. Here's why he said that. The true Lord of your life and my life is revealed by our actions, not our declarations. We can talk a good game all day long, but look at his or her character, their behavior, their actions. When they don't think anybody's looking, what's going on right there? If we constantly live in a way that denies the authority of Jesus over us, no amount, and this is according to Jesus, no amount of verbal praise on that day of judgment will make him our king then. It is choosing to submit ourselves, humble ourselves to his authority once we receive the gift of salvation that helps validate and venerate, like to, to uh, animate, if you will, that salvation. And we've been saved under good works. We, we, are, we were born again so that we might work out our salvation, as, as Paul would say. It doesn't make us saved. It just brings that salvation alive, that relationship with God. Now it's like, okay, that is why I invited you into the kingdom. I wanted you to be able to have that kind of a life. And that, I think so many people are missing. And he had a relationship that he invi invites us into and intended for us to follow. And what he's warning against here is someone who gets there and they had no intimacy with him. Therefore, there was no genuine knowledge of him. There was no submission to his will, his authority. He wants us to know him. Even right before the cross, this is recorded for us in John chapter 17, verse three. Jesus is literally praying to the Father. He knows he's in earshot of the other disciples, and he says this. He says, now this is eternal life, that they, let's say it together, that they 
Know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Yes, you start that eternal, you begin that relationship by accepting his forgiveness for sins. You, you invite him to be the Lord of your life. But now, you've just begun an exciting adventure. And you get, the, you get come to know him. And we come to know him by taking his word, trusting it, putting it into action, putting it into the, the constant application of our life and not say, ah, that's, that's optional. That's just for religious freaks, right? <laughs> not for me. But, but understand, this is what Jesus intended. So let me ask you a couple of questions you just be thinking about. What do I think, when you ask yourself this question, why do I think I belong to Christ? Why do you think you belong to Christ? Where have I put my confidence, your faith, your hope, your confidence, where have you placed it? Is it in your good religious works? Well, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. Check it out, God. You know, like here I am in church again today. Woo! You know, and we're so glad you're here. Awesome. Just know that your salvation doesn't, it's not resting on this, right? This is just part of what it means to follow. It's beautiful. Am I trusting in what I have done, Will Lewis has done, or am I trusting what Jesus has already done? and letting the fruit of my life go down deep into the roots of, of him and godly character begins to be produced in my life because I'm connected to him and not that I'm trying to put on a good Christian show over here, right? Which I think so many of us try to default into. And you feel like, and this is why I think so many people fail in the Christian life. They think, well, it's up to my willpower to stop all these bad habits, and they exclude God's involvement. Well, it's up to me. If it's up to my willpower, I'm going to fall, and I'm going to fail, and I'm going to make everybody around me miserable too. And people all go, aha, see? Christian life doesn't work. Well, they were doing it on their power, not Jesus's. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you've been living like that, and you're like, why can't I ever make any headway, any real change in my life? It comes from saying, Jesus, you're in charge your authority, not mine. I'm trusting you. I'm following you. I'm your disciple. I'm not my own disciple. In John chapter 8, verse 12, I love this promise. Jesus says, I, there's no other light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever, let's say it together, whoever follows me, a disciple is simply a follower, a learner, a pupil. That's what it means. A disciple follows me will never walk in darkness. As long as we're following him, he says, you don't have to worry about darkness, but we'll have the light of life. There will be a life in you, a strength, a power, a peace and a joy and a love, a confidence, a contentment in you that you will not see around you very often. It comes from being a citizen of my kingdom, and if you're not experiencing that yet, I encourage you to full on say, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. I want you to be in charge. I want your authority to rule and reign and guide me. My question for you before we go any further, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of him? I'm not asking for perfection. We're not doing witch hunts here. We're not going to go hunt. Like, oh, you, have you ever fallen? Have you ever, no, 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 no. That's not it. It's just deciding. It's a decision. It's a, a commitment to say, I'm not going to get it right all the time, but I'm going to get up every day, and I'm following him. He's it. He's the leader. 
He's the one. I'm following him. I'm not Christian in name only. That is, when we do that, that is literally from the Ten Commandments, taking the Lord's name in vain. It is taking on, oh, the moniker of Christianity, but I have no intention of following his authority. Don't live like that. It is an insane way to live. It will make you crazy, and everybody around you crazy too. And they'll say, yeah, those crazy Christians. Because <laughs> so many people do it like that. Jesus wanted you to have certainty about this. This is why, through the disciple, Apostle John, he says in 1 John 5, he says this, he says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may, let's say it together, you may know that you know him and that you have confidence, you know that you have eternal life, that you know that he doesn't say, away from me, I didn't know you, that you know him, and when you know him, you have confidence. There is a deep level of joy that it's all going to be okay. I know it looks crazy right now, but I know how this story ends, and I know who's in charge, and God's going to work it all out. I'm trusting in him, not me or any man or woman-made system. They're not going to fix this. They are not our Savior. And I know that sounds almost un-American going into an election year. They will not fix what's wrong with our country. I'm telling you. We have to trust him. We have to trust him and let him use us to make a difference. I'm not saying don't vote. Yes, I'm, I think you, you're clear on that. I'm just saying, be careful where you put your confidence because this flares up so much anger and anxiety because and, we put our trust in an idol. A person is not God. We can't live like that. That is false, a false way to live. And I just encourage you to continue to go back to Jesus is the one in whom we put our hope, our trust. He is the one who will bring all things right in the end. I want to ask you to pray with me today. And we're going we're to end our prayer in just a second. Jesus, I place my faith, my confidence in you as my Lord and forgiver of sin. I choose to follow you and your authority in my life. That is what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And some of you, maybe you've been under the illusion for many years that like, oh yeah, I've kind of already done that. But you have not really said, but the authority part, like really making him Lord. I need to do that. And today's the day I want to encourage you to do that. And finally, help me, speaking to Jesus, help me to know you and become like you because you are ultimately my teacher, my guide the one I look to, and those who are committed to also follow you. If you would, I'd love to bow, you to bow with me in prayer right now, and when we finish praying, I've got something quick to share with you, exciting news about the big give, but let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I pray all across this room right now for those who are willing to say, God, right now, I commit to you. From now on, those who influence my life, my kids' life, those around me, God, I'm going to look to the fruit. I'm going to start looking for godly character. Would you just make that commitment with me right now? Would you just lift your hand saying, right now, I'm committing. No more am I going to just let people get off with just a shallow assessment. Thank you, God, for those who are saying, yeah, that's it. That's something I need to do. That's something my, my, I need to do for my kids. That's something I, we just need to do. It's so important. 
You may lower your hands. I pray for anybody here right now that can hear my voice online, in, in the room, that would say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to make that commitment today. I want to nail that down right now that I'm committed to following his leadership, his lordship in my life. You know that, it, it, you know it's, that God's moving on your heart. You know that's you. Would you just pray right where you sit? Just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, that was to cover my sin. That was to give me a fresh start to remove the obstacle that has obstructed my ability to have a relationship with you and have eternal life. I'm saying, yes, Jesus, forgive my sin. Would you just tell him, forgive my sin? And also, Lord, I'm asking you to be the Lord, the authority over my life from this moment forward. Would you just commit that to him right now? Maybe for the very first time, some of you are doing this. Jesus, I'm asking you to be my authority, the Lord over my life, all of it for the very first time. If you're praying that for the very first time, would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you right now. Anybody here? God bless you, ma'am, right there. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Anybody else? I'm giving it all over to him. In the balcony, in the, anywhere else in the room. God bless you right back over here by the wall. I see you, sir, right back here in the back row on the right. I see that. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today, God. I pray, God, that you would just move on our heart. Help us to begin to trust you at a deeper level. Help us to begin to say, yes, God. I'm going to start considering you and praying before big decisions. I'm going to consider you every morning. God, it's you and me doing this life together. Jesus, you're the one guiding me. I'm, I'm looking to you. I want to be in your word so I know what you've said. I know what you've promised. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. We pray all this in the powerful and amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.